And now, when did that come out? Part of the Real Change Movie Podcast. Welcome back, everybody. Thank you for hitting the download. It's another episode of When Did That Come Out? I am Charlie Stabile, joined by William Rankin. Will, how you doing? Doing well, sir. All right, and it's been a long time uh, since we've uh, had an episode. Uh, busy lives, busy schedules, but we're back, and we're very excited to cover this episode. We're nearing the end of this season, finally. It is November of 1994, and today we are looking at Neil Jordan's interview with the vampire. Um, let's see, my earliest memories of this movie... I don't know if you remember this, Will, but this movie used to come on all the time on TNT. That fits. Like, that fits. Right? Like, it definitely feels like one of those movies that would come on TNT. And that's how I saw it. So I saw it. um, I used to, I remember we used to watch it, like, not the whole thing, but in bits and pieces quite a bit uh, whenever it was on TNT. And I didn't actually see the full version, I don't believe, until I bought the DVD about probably. 15 20 years ago um you know being a big i was a big tom cruise fan as a kid and and also you know i liked brad pitt quite a bit and this was a little different from the vampire movies that i was used to i wasn't even aware that there was a book series about this you know i mean granted i was only 10 i think but um you know we talked about it off air and i think we should just clear it right now Neither you nor I have read the books to this day, and we really don't have any interest in doing it. So this isn't going to be that kind of show. Uh, this is more just about the movie, because this was, I'll be honest, this was never a movie I was overly wild about, yet I have seen it a multitude of times. Uh, and I think it's just because of how fascinating of a film, not just from behind the scenes, but just from what's in, in front of my eyes on the camera. Um, that uh, keeps com- keeps me coming back. Uh, do you remember the first time you saw this? Um, it was definitely not in theaters. It had to have been sometime on TV, like you're saying, like on a uh, some type of cable channel, TNT or something else. Mm-hmm. Much like um, Wes Craven's New Nightmare, which used to air on TNT, um, the, one of the things that I found fascinating about this movie, along with Wes Craven's New Nightmare, uh, it's not so much prevalent anymore. But back then, a movie that was over two hours was kind of a big deal. Yes. You know, like yes. you'd, you'd look in the TV guide, you'd see when a movie was going to be on, you'd see it would be on from 8 to 10. And you're like, oh, okay. So the movie's probably 100 minutes, 105. I remember interviewed the Vampire taking up about two and a half to three hours of, um, of time on television. So it made the movie feel like huge and epic, just really big. And then, and then I get the DVD, and I see that the movie is really only two hours and three minutes, which isn't really that long. And I found uh, a quote from Neil Jordan that I thought was really fascinating because it's what I've always thought about the movie that they never really quite pulled off. Of course, Neil Jordan was the director. He, he did The Crying Game. I think that's what he was most known for at the time, which I believe he won an Oscar for, uh, for screenplay. But he said, and I quote, I wanted to make it, Let's see. I wanted to make it on an epic scale on something like Gone with the Wind. And to me, it always kind of felt like a vampire, a vampire, vampiristic take on 
Gone with the Wind. It just didn't have the scope of it. And I wonder, I've, I've heard these theories, these stories, like the first screening was like, two, truly was two and a half hours or was almost three hours. And the thing that's funny is that apparently what they cut, because they were told to cut a bunch of stuff, uh, was a lot of the violence and the blood. Which, I mean, if this is the cut down version of the blood and violence, uh, I'm almost, I would almost be afraid to see what the real long version of this movie would be. Because I'll be honest, the, I can put up with a lot. There is some things in this movie that I just think are absolutely disgusting. <laughs> and I've always felt that way uh, since I was a kid. Do you think Do you think they go over the top with the vampire stuff, with the rat stuff? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely like, I mean, it, it, it definitely doesn't hold back. Like, I mean, like, this is definitely, like, what's interesting is, like, you compare it to previous, you know, Vampire Fair, which for the most part was kind of campy or low budget. And this, mm-hmm. this, I mean, this is the the most expensive version of all that. And by that, they just then go in all the way with all the, like, with effects and with just the, the grotesque of this, which I think, like, in a way is, I like, I like it because there's always just the surface version of what, or surface idea of what the vampire lore is. That it's this really, you know, romantic type of thing when it's like, well, yeah, maybe on part of it there's this romantic, oh, I live forever, and yet I have no one, and blah, blah, blah. It's like, <laughs> there's there's definitely like, like it shows the rough times where it's like, yeah, man, there sometimes ain't people around, so I gotta eat rats, or I gotta eat, I gotta do that to survive. And that's like, you know, it it bounces it out and it kind of brings, I don't want to say a realistic quality because we're talking about vampires here, but you know what I mean? Like it, it Oh, I get it completely. It, it, it attempts yeah. to ground it in a way. And I think that's, that's it in a way, is refreshing at the same time being like, sometimes like, oh God, you know, like kind of horrifying at the same time. But yeah, it's interesting because it's like, um, I want to say, I mean, Bram Stoker's Dracula although I don't really, I call it Francis Ford Coppola, Coppola's Dracula. Right. Uh, they came out a few years before. That was really the first time I, I found where they tried to take it seriously. Um, because in the history of vampire movies, I mean, I've, I've always loved vampire movies, whether it was like Nosferatu, Bela Lugosi, Christopher Lee, but vampire movies were always B movies, you know? And yeah. Yeah. with movies like Bram Stoker's Dracula, but more so Interview with the Vampire, for me, Interview with the Vampire is probably the first successful version of taking a B story and turning it into an A story in terms of a uh, of a vampire film. Uh, like to to try to break vampires out of the out of uh, the shell or or the, or the ceiling that they couldn't quite rise above. Kind of like zombie movies. Zombie movies are in the mainstream now, and and that's kind of like the hot thing now. But man. You used, if you wanted to ever catch a zombie movie, I mean, you had to like have the TV on at like one o'clock in the morning. Yeah, uh, and it was kind of the same thing back then with vampires. And so, Interview with the Vampire was very interesting. It was a very serious, brooding take on vampire lore. That I don't know how you feel about it. It has rules, and I feel like some of them aren't consistent <laughs> sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay, it's not just me because there there are parts of the story uh, of this movie where I get completely lost, <laughs> like, and it's mainly once he meets um, Antonio Banderas's character Armand, and maybe it's because Antonio just mumbles his lines 
because uh, I'm serious. It's not all clear. Uh, like things that he's saying, and and I, I and and it's always a really worrisome moment as a film goer when you are watching a scene and you miss something or you didn't hear something, but you see like the characters kind of nod in agreement with each other, and you just kind of throw up your hands and go, "Oh, damn it!" <laughs> well, I guess we're on the same page here. Okay, <laughs> I guess we're on the same page. I think I missed something. <laughs> you know? And um, and it, not nothing against Antonio Banderas. I think he's great in this movie. He's so good. And that's it, one of the few things that the movie's often criticized for. I found is that is the performances, which there's only one real performance that I don't like in this movie, and it's played by uh, one of Neil Jordan's regulars. I can I can't pronounce his name. Stephen, Stephen Ray. Raya. Yeah. Yeah, Stephen Ray. I don't like him in this movie. I think he's woefully miscast. Uh, but everyone else, especially Tom Cruise. Oh, I man. Fantastic. Dude. Yeah, I mean, fantastic. The, all I kept thinking about with this movie was like, if you're given this story, I love the fact that A, they put budget up for it. They gave it $60 million to go make this movie and make it like. You bring in you bring in a guy like Neil Jordan who's perfect for this. He is perfect for this coming off of the Crying Game. He is at the height of his power coming off that movie, and it's a movie that's not too dissimilar from it. Like it's about identity, who people are. Like it. I mean, the Crying Game was. I mean, for everybody who hasn't seen it, it's been ruined for him already. You know, so th- that the right. interview of the vampire in a way kind of picks up some of those same themes, but then it's like, okay, we're gonna give you sixty million. We give it to Neil Jordan. If we're talking just crew, you bring in Dante Ferretti to build it. Perfect guy. A perfect Scorsese regular who gets Oscar nominated for his production design with this. It looks fantastic. It looks like exactly how... When you when you hear the premise of the movie and how it goes through all these different stages of time and different places, it looks that way. It looks that way perfectly. And then the cast. I mean, this... what a It's, it's, it's such a gutsy call for crews to do this. And yet, like he is perfect because this is in that era still where Cruz like it's not even the height of his power because 96 is where it all goes to another level for him but right here is the perfect time to bring him in for something like this he's got this run in a row from the after days of thunder where it's you know he he does have far and away whatever but then there's also the firm there's a few good men and then there's this before we get to mission impossible and mcguire and his popularity is enough to get people in that opening weekend. And then, yeah, I mean, and I love that Anne Rice was so against it because it's like, you know, from what she, when she conceived of the character, like she had ideas of what it should be and to have Tom Cruise in there, I think it does really show what his range was. Like he could do what is arguably one of his few heel-ish type of performances. He doesn't do many of these very often. And so it's really refreshing. He is so underrated in this movie. Very much so. Uh, and like I said, I've always been enamored with the movie, but I've never really been able to figure out what it is that keeps me from really loving it. And I think I figured it out on this watch. It's And it's nothing against the other actors. It really isn't. But when Tom Cruise isn't on screen, <laughs> the movie just kind of, it doesn't get boring or anything, but it, it definitely feels like it loses something. Because uh, what Tom Cruise is choosing to do is so outside of his comfort zone, and what and what I'm used to seeing him do. That one scene I completely forgot about it, where he dances with the corpse, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. is horrifying. <laughs> like, like just 
because and also because they've shown us the face of the corpse. I think it's Claudia's mother. I think that's who it is. And they they've already shown us what her face looks like, and it's just disgusting. And he's just having a grand old time. And it's just how Tom Cruise could go into this. Granted, and I don't think this movie, especially now with the budget that it had, probably might not have gotten made if it, if Tom Cruise hadn't have said yes. Absolutely. He, oh man. Like, I don't think so. Yeah, I mean, and they and I and you've seen some of the casting ideas that, that were around Lestat, like yes, Johnny yes. Depp, et cetera, et cetera. The, I don't the know. Usual suspect. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I mean, it's it's. Of course, you can make the argument that somebody else could have done Lestat, but at that time period, we're talking '94, and we're talking like this. You want to talk about like move like movies have to really deliver in the opening weekend. If you're forking over sixty mil, and you need to recoup that like starting off right out hot out of the gates you need someone like Cruz in this part and i don't know if someone like depp could have delivered like a box office not at that, this movie not at that time i don't think so because that's the same year that he did what ed wood yeah so like his biggest movie up to that point i believe would have been edward scissorhands yeah i don't think so um tom Cruise was perfect and it's an underrated performance i i definitely think I can, I'm, I'm shocked he didn't get any kind of nomination of any kind uh this is like, a tough it's, year it's really i weird. mean it's a tough so, year but even like a globe like like even like okay. i mean i know okay. he has top billing you. yeah yeah I, yeah cruz has top billing but he's it's really I, I don't even want to call it an ensemble because it's really like three or four actors that carry this thing that's not an ensemble right but you know there's no real lead actor in this whole thing so like it's just, and Kirsten Dunst, I believe she's the only one that got an acting nomination. Which honestly, as 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 good as I think she is here, um, if you're a kid and you do any kind of acting work that is anything other than suck, you get an Oscar nomination. Uh, like that's that seems to be how it works. It's like, wow, that kid didn't suck. Do you that's think she? Who's better in the in because this is right around the same time period? Is Natalie Portman in the professional Dude, better? Oh man, so. And then I found out like Natalie Borman was in the running for this, mm-hmm. and I don't, I don't know, I don't know because Kirsten Dunst was, she's she's so much better here than she is as, as like an adult sometimes. Yeah. Uh, but Natalie Portman has always been consistent. Um, I think the I, part of it's professional is a better movie. I mean, it's a, well, oh, oh sure. So that that does sure, sway it. I think it that probably sways it a little bit. Yeah, but well, plus, um, like this is Natalie Portman always had. I don't know if she would have looked the right age. Right, right. You know, like, like I think in the book, I think I read in the book that the, the, the Claudia character is supposed to be five years old, and Kirsten Dunst was twelve, which I think that's around the age Natalie Portman was, but she always looked a little older. Yeah. So, uh, on that level, I think they. They, they made the right choice and Natalie Portman obviously made the, a great choice with the professional but um, no it's 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 definitely a worthy performance for Kirsten like I said a Golden Globe nomination is nothing to scoff at you know good for her right. but uh, without Tom Cruise I just don't think this movie works uh, you got Brad Pitt in here and for the longest time I thought Brad Pitt did fine um, oh yeah did, did, so did a good job his this is per, this is this is so uh, Pitt cha- Pitt's whole career changes once he starts working with Fincher. He goes to another level, 
of actor mm-hmm. and and definitely like roles. Like this is still like I was laughing reviewing this because I was reviewing the just the time period along with watching the movie. I was thinking about this was still a time period when movies were cast just simply on well, how are we going to get the women in this movie? Let's cast some hunks. <laughs> And, and I mean, like, it's, it's ter- like, I mean, I'm not saying like, that's great by any means. I mean, like, clearly, like, I mean, we know that like, still that's, that's done on the flip side plenty of times too. Like into the sure. blue, into the blue was a completely marketed around. Let's just get Paul Walker's shirt off and get Jessica Alba into a swimsuit. Like that's all that oh, movie yeah. is. I mean, let, we don't have to beat around the bush on that one, but I mean, this one clearly like you have Tom Cruise, Brad Pitt, and Antonio Banderas, who was, I mean, for him, what a, man, what a two-year period for him doing Philadelphia and this. That's fantastic. But yeah. Pitt, Pitt, like, this is still, like, like long hair, like, really, like, like Fabio-esque Brad Pitt that were in this era. Right. And, of course, it's really going it, to, this, this really is only on the rise, because when he does Legends of the Fall, like, I know, I, I remember how so I could I remember hearing people just like swooning over Brad Pitt and Legends of the Fall but once he does 7 it's like okay the guy can really act as well and it's not to discount 12 monkeys but it feels like once he does 7 it's like all right this guy's legit oh so, 7 was the breakout yeah absolutely yeah so this another a great casting call bringing him in here cuz he's only on the rise him both him and Banderas are both like they're they're on the upswing in terms of their careers so just they nailed it again now the one casting choice that i i read about that i actually would have preferred is the role of malloy um which is played by christian slater who i'm a fan i like christian slater kind of like keanu reeves i like him if it's the right movie and i never really thought this was the right movie for christian slater and then come to find out it was supposed to be played by River Phoenix. And I think, yeah, this would have been perfect uh, for a guy like that. Now, not to say that Christian, that he doesn't do, he, he does fine. But when you're around these kind of powerhouses, and granted, he really only shares scenes with one guy up until the end. And it's Brad Pitt. And Brad Pitt's doing his own thing. One thing that's really remarkable in this movie for me is how, like, you got Tom Cruise, Brad Pitt, Antonio Banderas. Those are three pretty distinct acting personalities. I kind of think I know what to expect from them. This is unlike anything any of them ever did before or since. They are nothing like themselves uh, when I watch this movie. Like, it's like I, it's their faces, but there's something very different about what it is that they're doing. And I don't know what that is. I don't know how they pulled this off. And, you know, and then, you know there's always those people that are going to point to Tom Cruise and say that he wasn't a good actor. He's the same in every movie. And I'm like, oh, I've mm. never seen him like this. Nah, man. And yeah, that. And ev- oh, every man. time he plays a villain, and it's because that's that. I think that's it too. Between this and like Collateral, like when he plays a villain, it's out of this world. I like it's as great as it's kind of like Denzel. You know, Denzel was like the ultimate good guy, but when he broke a villain role out on, on the rare occasion, it was like. Wow, it's like Hulk Hogan. He's much scarier. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely. Um, you mentioned the box office, uh, or sorry, the budget of sixty million dollars in nineteen ninety four is a lot. That's of money. a. I mean, think about that like if lot. this movie tanks, like this is an all time tanker. If this thing goes down, like if oh, it, this, and Warner Brothers had enough problems as it was. 
uh, at the time in, in the, in the nineties. Yeah. And this most certainly could have killed that company had things gone south. Yeah. Oh but, yeah, totally. Yeah. I mean, but luckily it didn't. Yeah. Uh, no, the box office was pretty good. Oh yeah. Uh, well worldwide. Cause, um, I mean, it's one of the, I want to say dozen movies that Tom Cruise, probably more, uh, that Tom Cruise did that went over a hundred mil in the U S and ended up doing like two twenty three worldwide is still really good. Oh for 1994. yeah. I mean, this is like, that, that's good today. This is a but, heavy but drama amazing. for all intents and purposes. I mean, it's a heavy drama to, to score that much in the U S and worldwide in 1994. That's a huge deal. That's a huge deal. And, and it's just amazing. Like this movie, it, like, I mean, the, what the goal I know with what you were trying to do with putting the movies together this, this year is that 1994 is extremely top loaded with classics. Now, like movies that are highly regarded. This is a movie that's almost forgotten. I feel like, like it is very you rarely so? brought up. Yeah, man. Like, I mean, the only reason, like, I will say like, it doesn't make, it makes a comeback once twilight starts coming around. Cause then like, you know, it becomes, because then it's like, well, if if Twilight is is aimed at you and you love it, what do you want? You want more Twilight. You want to get more things like Twilight. Well, what's like that? Well, they did Interview with the Vampire, which let's face it, like it like Twilight just capitalizes on a lot of the same stuff. Like it, it rearranges it clearly, like it does its own thing, but it borrows a lot from Anne Rice. Sure. But the one thing I'll say about Interview with the Vampire, I'm I'm not sure if it's <clears throat> If it's been forgotten, because I, I haven't really thought about the movie up until it was time to do it. But the one thing I will say about the movie is that I'm pretty sure it plays better today than it played back then. Um, specifically between the relationship between Lestat and Louis. Uh, which, you know, I mean, like this is like, I mean, let's uh, all cards on the table. This is basically a mainstream LGBT movie. Yeah, in 1994, <laughs> under the guise of vampires, that's basically what it is. And I remember I, I read that what was it Anne Rice, and I'm sure she would have had to if the if the movie had been made in the 70s or the 80s, that uh, she she would have had to change the the gender of the Louis character, and be, yeah, just to get the movie made. And that's the only reason she would have done it. Um, luckily, they didn't have to do that. Now, granted, I mean this just shows you. Like how stupid that I guess that um, that that they think we are that they would feel the need to protect us from something like this or whatever the hell MPA thinks that they do. Uh, I didn't pick up on this at all as a kid. Like, no, no, like not it, at all. No, uh-uh. like I, I agree with just, you. Like I wasn't. Yeah, yeah. Never even crossed my mind, and I and I was aware of of gay people. You know, Ellen DeGeneres and stuff like that. Never crossed my mind. This guy is doomed for all eternity can't exactly have a normal life you know and of course like you would want to learn like like his upbringing and like i think this would make an amazing like eight-part miniseries Uh, yeah so you bring up that's a great point like i have been shocked that they had did not capitalize and do more with this seer the series this franchise these books i mean queen of the damned i mean that's just a mess i mean that's just that that was a that was a case of hey we're about to lose the rights we need to do something quick and that's what it became and then of course there's tragedy that comes along with it but i was it always blew my mind that they never managed to pull the trigger on something else after queen of the damned like whether it was 
an HBO show or now a Netflix show or another well, movie. That's interesting to me. I just read that Anne Rice got the rights back yeah. in 2016 and she is looking to do a show. I don't know what that I think it was the working title is The Vampire Lestat. Yeah. I think that's it. So it would be from like his perspective. And I'll tell you, man, I've seen Tom Cruise survive some horrific stuff in Mission Impossible. He's never survived anything like he does in an interview with the family. Oh, my God. Yeah, you're right. Like, Ethan Hunt goes to new levels in that. Man, I mean, he gets like, let's get this straight. He gets burned alive. He gets eaten by by uh, crocodiles. Like then, then ends up eating them, surviving. Lives off of rats. And basically, like, he gets up to Malloy, gets to him, and now he's fine. <laughs> what do you think of the ending of this? Like, so that that's... Um, I I feel like it's setting up a sequel that's never coming. Uh, do you, is it... Do you think it's, like, way too cute that, like, we're getting this whole, like... it's The frame story is interesting. Like, this oh, is literally it. the interview with, with a vampire. That's really cool. It is a great framing device for a flashback story. Yeah. And well, granted, I think a little bit, a little bit of it's clumsy. It's like I saw you watching me watching you <laughs> in the alleyway, and I went up to you, and instead of killing you or turning you into a vampire, I invited you up to my apartment so that you could interview me. <laughs> like, like that's a little clunky, but I do love that that he's just the lesson that he's trying to impart on Malloy, and that um, like this is a curse, this is a tragedy. And then Malloy's like, for no reason, Malloy's like, oh, I, this is, I want this. I was, it's just kind of out of nowhere. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, like, I always remember just that, it's, it feels like the movie needs to end, and they need to, they need to wrap it up. You know, because right. they spend a little bit of time in, like, 1791, a little bit of time in, in the, the 1800s, and then all of a sudden he's watching Superman the movie. <laughs> it's like North. Remember North was the same yeah. way. Like how North starts. <laughs> I love we're comparing this to North. <laughs> but like, remember, it's like he's going to go visit all these families. Well, like we spent a ton of time with like the first two. And then it's we just. the structure of the Rocky fight. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> yeah, that's yes. What it is. Yes. First two rounds, we're going to see everything. And then we're going to speed up to the last round. But no, it's just. Yeah, it feels like uh, it feels like something either got cut, like like one of the framing scenes, because Christian Slater is just at first he's just very interested, and he wants to know more, and he's chain smoking, and like there's never, at least to me, any inclination that this is a life that he desires. Because and, and and I tell you, it doesn't really have any weight to it when he does tell him that he does want it, because we don't know anything about him as a person anyway. Right. Like, he's you know, a, he's a weirdo carrying around tapes. So, like, and again, this is with no knowledge of the books whatsoever. What's really None. You, what the movie could have used. And again, like, if you're going to add this, you probably have to sacrifice something if you're trying to keep your time down. There needed to be a bit of a prologue where, like, Malloy's life somehow is a way in, in a way is paralleling what has already happened to Louis, like how Louis loses members of his family that and right. then in that That's sullen good. state wants to become a vampire. If, desperate. Yeah. So if there's something, and it doesn't have to be the exact same thing, but something that prefaces that's a that's a preface to the interview that's that gives us something of just Malloy before any of this that kind of lends toward maybe he wants to go down a similar path. But of course, the whole point is Louis trying to say no. This is not what you want to do, which is why the ending is so like, nah, man. Hey, I'm all in for this. Let's do it. <laughs> I love it. Like he finally opens up and, and wants to share his story with a with a mortal, and he fails immediately. 
<laughs> yeah. Like, no, that's not the lesson I was trying to tell you. Right. And and it's I mean it's a little weird too because um, Louis just kind of disappears, and then what Lestat was waiting in the car yeah, the whole time. That, see, I, I I it it's one of those things where like in the moment it's like wow, oh wow, what well, a shot. Yeah, it was cool when I first saw it. Yeah. I don't know if that's aged well. We're like now. I feel like I feel like it's just too cute. It's too too much of a cute tied up ending where it's like, and 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 maybe I'm just a moron and I'm not thinking of it clearly enough. Where I'm like, oh well, Lestat would be tracking him. Like he would be following him throughout his journey. You know, back, like throughout the years. Like he would always be trying to find him because they are connected. I get it. Like there is a connection between right. the two. I understand that. I just it just feels like after all this, it's like, oh yeah, I was just in the car. <clears throat> Welcome to the party, pal. <laughs> well. I mean, the last time we see Lestat before that, um, he's very weak, and he's in, I guess it's 1989, in New Orleans, right after uh, Louis sees the movie. He's watching Glory. And, uh, which he's like, is, yeah, man, I'm all in. Is it Glory? I'm just kidding. Just, I don't know. I just saw man. a sunset. <laughs> like, 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 so, the, so this is a little strange. So, like, Louis comes. There's a lot of, like, contrivances in the movie that kind of drive me nuts. So, Louis comes out of the theater. He gets a whiff of something of an evil of a presence he's not felt since you know and he, like that's basically what it is and he just kind of follows it and he, he ends up walking up a staircase and there's the stat <laughs> like just what like and the stat knew he was there like it, it's just very strange it's a strange way to get them to reunite you know and and the stat's very weak and he can't do this he can't do that but apparently he has enough energy to not only spy on on Louis, but to know why Malloy went upstairs and what they were doing and all that stuff. And it's, yeah, I mean, it's a very memorable ending. I mean, and, and uh, them going over the Golden Gate. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. With uh, Guns N' Roses playing, which I'll get to that in a minute. <laughs> I mean, the, but, some of it, I mean, like, okay, if you look at it also from the perspective of Malloy says he's all in, Brad Pitt is not happy with him, or Louis, I should say Louis. Louis's not happy with him and explains, like, you didn't learn anything, you didn't learn anything. And then maybe what he says lands enough to where Malloy's like, all right, you know what? I guess he was right. All right, I'm going to go home. I'm going to go get some pancakes. And then it's like, oh, no, he gets bit anyway. Oh, no. Oh, no. So I'm doomed. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, I guess, like, from that perspective, too, it works. It just seems like, like, we. I guess it's... It, it would be like all of a sudden if Bubba Gump shows up at the end of Forest and is like, surprise, I lived. <laughs> da -da, da -da -da. I did. It, but, you know, I shouldn't call him no, Bubba Gump because his name's not, he doesn't have the same, never mind. Benjamin Buford Blue. Right, he doesn't have the same last. I'm thinking of the <laughs> restaurant is what it is. Right, right. <laughs> uh, I also think it's weird that um, none of the mortals can tell that these guys look a little strange. Uh, like with, with the veins popping out of their heads. Right. I, like no one thinks that that looks weird. Like there's so many things in this movie that, that are really cool. I love. Like I, I, it's a frustrating movie because there are things that they explain about the vampire lore that I'm, I really like, but then there's things that they don't exactly explain. Like, for instance, when Brad Pitt Louis when he dies, and and Lestat goes, "Don't worry, it's just mortal death. Like we all, it happens to all of us." And I was like, "Oh." And then his eyes turn color. Boom, he's a vampire. Cool. And there's one reference to eating real food where he says, oh, like we just, 
you know, the slaves watch us eat off of empty plates and drink empty glasses. And, and it's like, okay, so in this world, I know, this doesn't, it doesn't go like this for all vampires in the history of film, but they can't eat real food. They can't drink, you know, the things that we drink. They can't do that kind of stuff. So I, I was a little iffy on that because it was just kind of a throwaway line. Yeah. Which apparently, because uh, I actually, it, was, it bothered me so much, I actually looked up a line from the book, and it actually has a lot more relevance in the book okay. to what it's alluding to. Because apparently, I think Lestat's, or is, no, I'm sorry. No, it is Lestat. It's his father's blind, and his father is in the book. And, okay. yeah, and he's just doing it for appearances or something. But, you know, like, things like that. Things like that that just kind of, or can be a little bit fr- fr- on the frustrating side. I'm sure there's there's others that I'm forgetting at the moment, um, but for the most part, I think I think the movie's a hell of a watch. Yeah, uh, yeah. it's ve- it's very bold, and it's I don't think I don't think this movie gets made today. I, I think we say that a lot, but not like this. Um, and I do think the gore really does go over the top. Reading that like Oprah Winfrey like walked out. <laughs> 10 minutes like just cracked me up it's like what what and she's like oh like he was letting evil into her life or something and i was like oh, give me a break all right and yeah exactly all right uh yeah just that's a big eye roll moment right there because it's like it's not like it's not like tom cruise invented vampires here you know these these stories have been around forever you know and and they're all about like they're all about basically the same things and and they're all metaphors for other things you know like there's there's multitudes of ways to read into these stories. Yeah. Um, what a magic trick, though. I give. I mean, because Neil Jordan, like after this, does not really have a ton of relevancy. I mean, I, in terms of like, he doesn't have a peak like where he's at right now after post Crying Game, and with Interview the Vampire. I mean, I remember when the Brave oh. One came out. I barely. Rem- I. I mean, all I really oh, associate with it is like, oh, they they recast Death Wish, is what they did. Mm-hmm. They, they gender flip Death Wish and they, they pop that out. Other than that, man, like, I mean, I will be honest, like, looking at his stuff, I'm like, I have definitely not seen a majority of what, if not all of what this guy's put out after Interview with the Vampire at all. But I mean, what a magic trick. I mean, you took an art house movie and you made it commercial, essentially. Right. Like, it's an art house movie. That's, and, no, that's what he did. Yeah. That's a great It's a very accessible movie. Yeah. Um, yeah, because it has that art house flavor, but it has a mainstream way of going about itself, and it actually complements each other really well. And some of the effects are wild, yeah. even by uh, today's standards. Like, God, the scene where Claudia and burns alive, like, and <laughs> and the, the the what is it like the sand that mm-hmm. that they're uh, because they're left to dust looks amazing. Yeah, like looks really cool. The the makeup effects, I love them. I, it's a little hokey, like because at first I was like, "Oh, that's really cool." But going back and looking at, it, I was like, "It's a little hokey, but whatever." When Tom Cruise and Brad Pitt first fly into the air, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, it looks a little right. strange. But um, I, it doesn't. It's all you know. What's shocking me though is that we've not had Cruise and Pitt really have like a team up again, like you know, beyond no. this. You know, and that's just shocking to me because they both of them, like we talked about this, are definitely not at their peak at this time. But now would it would be it'd be so cool to see, like you know, it'd be. I mean, 
how awesome would it be to see Brad Pitt as a heel in one of these Mission Impossible movies? No, like, I was just about to say that. Oh, my I was like, God. That's the, that's the easy deal right there. You just you get him as a villain in Mission Impossible, um, which that would be cool. They have not announced the cast of those next two movies yet. But, yeah, it is a little strange. Like, it seems like that would be another a, a pairing that, that would just happen again. I mean, these guys were these guys were huge back then. And you're right. Tom Cruise wasn't even as huge as he was going to get, yeah. which is insane. Um, but yeah, the movie, uh, it's, mm, it's a tough watch. It's, I, I, I maybe watch it, come back to it maybe every five years, but overall, uh, I am a fan of it. It's, it more of it works than doesn't. The gore is a bit much, yeah. even for my, like, I, I think it's really the part, not so much the neck parts, but there's something about like, there's something about the wrist parts. Yeah. Uh, right. There is something about that that just just drives me up the wall, and and the way Tom Cruise sells it, I mean, it's it's totally an orgasm. <laughs> like, like, like that's that's what's so amazing that they were able to kind of get get away with this back in '94. Um, but that that kind of stuff is a little strange. And there's other strange things too in this movie outside of the of the LGBT stuff. Like for instance, um, how they treat Claudia is very very strange sometimes so it's the the way they have her hair like a doll and yeah. and Lestat yeah. treats her like a like a prodigy basically and and then you got Brad Pitt who Louis trying basically treating her like a daughter but there's I remember they share like a weird kiss in the movie and yeah. she sleeps she sleeps in his coffin sometimes and it's just and not to mention the fact that she's with him for 30 years you know, like yeah. there's certain implications there that are kind of, eh, just try not to think about it because the, the movie's kind of fun. And even though I don't really like Stephen Ray or whatever his name is um, in the film, I do really like that vampire society uh, who are disguising themselves as actors pretending to be vampires, <laughs> <laughs> which is so close to campy, but it's cool. And, you know, and I actually had to read into this because, like I said, there's certain things in this movie I just cannot pick up on i like okay so like to explain the motivations of the of that vampire society so they're killing them because they killed lestat right because they killed one of their own kind and then like armand lets it happen but then he just decides to break louis out anyway but after all the bad stuff's already happened to everybody else right yeah, yeah it, it's just it's stuff muddy. like that it's muddy it that just feels muddy. choppy yeah 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 yeah, because at first I did not understand what any of this meant. You know, like, like as, I always remember that as a kid. Once it, once it got to Armand, I was like, ah. And it was just like, just bring me back Tom Cruise. <laughs> right. Because <laughs> that's where the magic uh, of this movie really is now. Reading into it, apparently, like, uh, I'll give him all the credit in the world. Brad Pitt, I, I think, does a really good job, for the most part, in this movie. Uh, and he hated working on this thing. Um and it was weird reading his reasons because it sounded like he was partially blaming Tom Cruise with the way that Cruise was performing Lestat, which is basically the way it's written. But it, you know, it's, it kind of sounds like Christian Bale and Heath Ledger. That's what it reminded me of when Christian Bale said, oh, I had all these plans for Batman. And then Heath came and I just I, he just completely outshined me and I couldn't do anything about it. And it's like I don't well, get see I, I I hate that because it's like if 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 I'm it doing it sounds pussy doesn't it it does like 
I even if it's not acting, like if if you're doing anything like in a collaboration and somebody like really brings game to the table, it's like I want to step up and show that like I can hang up or I can do game. better. Exactly. You just yeah, it's supposed to make you better. And, I mean, a, a good, know, no, here's a good example. I, I got an example for. It. Here's a good movie example: Gangs in New York. D-Day kicks the crap out of DiCaprio in that movie the whole time. Like, sure. DiCaprio looks outgunned, outmatched, not just as a character, but as an actor. And it doesn't look like he has an answer for anything that D-Day has. You look at There Will Be Blood, and Paul Dano is doing a great job of trying to go head-to-head with him. And, you know, the you can... I mean, everyone has an opinion on the character. I just, is as an actor, like, when you watch that final, the milkshake scene, where it all has to kind of culminate... And it's like, man, this kid's really going for it. Like, he is at least trying to, like, like I'm not going to be intimidated or beaten by Daniel Day-Lewis in a scene, even though that's what it looks like his goal is, is to eat me. I'm going to go back at him. And that's refreshing to watch because it does look like two guys really going at it, like, competitively, even though it's art. Right. It's just the way that Louis is written in the movie, I think Brad Pitt plays it fine. It's yeah. just... Very contemplative, very regretful, very remorseful, you know, all that stuff. It's like, well, there, that's it. Like, you have to have a counterbalance to what Tom Cruise is doing. You can't have two of stats in this thing, right? Uh, right. You know, it, like there needs to be a, a certain level of norm of normalcy uh, to the character. Otherwise, this and, becomes like Franklin and Bash, the vampires, where everyone's having a good which time. Which one is Franklin and <laughs> which one is Bash? Doesn't matter. <laughs> I still don't know. <laughs> And I'm pretty sure I've looked it up before and learned it and then immediately forgot it. <laughs> Franklin and Bash. <laughs> good pull, good pull. Oh, man. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously, yeah, Tom Cruise, Brad Pitt, they go on to do amazing things. Uh, Antonio Banderas goes on to become a major movie star. And is poised to win an Oscar this year. He is right now the front runner for that. Really? For that Pedro Almodovar film. I I I butchered the name. It it killed it, Khan, apparently. He's one of those guys, like like Michael Keaton several years ago. Antonio Banderas, I always hated how he was brushed aside. And I never knew why. I thought he was so multi-talented. He was attractive, but he didn't piss me off because he could actually act. And he was a lot of fun. He's the best. Well, other than Mel Gibson, he's the best part of Expendables Three. Yeah, uh, like he yeah, is he's so good. much fun to watch in that movie. And yeah, it's it was fun to go back and look at what he did here. And you know, he would go on to do like Desperado. What was it, Zorro? Yeah, man. Yeah, like, he was he was one of the biggest movie stars at one point. And Assassins and, was pushed um, as a big movie for him. You know, well, he is. That is a horrible movie that he is fantastic at. <laughs> right. Uh, and I love Antonio Banderas in that movie. Um, in fact, I don't know if I've ever seen him in a movie that I didn't like him in. Uh, I also miss, a, I don't know if you remember this, when Chris Kattan used to make fun of him on SNL. Yes. <laughs> he used to always be good. Too sexy. You know, he would, he would do that routine. Um, but, yeah. Uh, so another thing about this movie I wanted to talk about real quick is uh, one of the one of the other things I always think about, uh, the earth that comes to mind when this movie comes up, is Guns N' Roses. Because this movie reminds me of the end of Guns N' Roses. Uh, they did a cover, one of their many covers, for um, Rolling Stones' Sympathy for the Devil, uh, for this movie specifically. And I always remember 
Slash's quote from that behind the music where he goes, if you listen closely, he goes, you can actually hear the band breaking up as the song's playing. Because it, it was an absolutely miserable experience uh, to, to just record that one song. And to date, it is still the last recording by that band that featured Slash and Duff McKagan. Uh, but uh, it's a good cover. It's one. Of, I think it's one of their better covers. And I think it fits in really well with with this movie. And it would be the last song under the Guns N' Roses name, I believe, until five years later when End of Days came out. And they did that. Oh, God, it's not even Guns N' Roses at that point. That song sucks. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it's, it's a, I think it plays out as a really cool closing song for the movie. Yeah, and I mean, like, it, it definitely, that, that feels like such a, I mean, that is such a 90s thing to do, isn't it, to, to include. Yeah, did they do Paint It Black for um, Devil's Advocate? Somebody did. Well, I th- Paint It Black was like the theme song to Devil's Advocate. I remember uh, I, see, I another thought, Rolling Stone song. Yeah, well, I, I'm trying to think if that's the one they use in that because I know Paint It Black's in there, but I thought that was the Stones version that was in there. But I forget. Was it a cover? I see. I don't remember. It's at the end. Well, it might it's have at, been a cover. It's what closes yeah, the movie yeah, after. It's at the end. I have to go look because I I thought it was just the Stones one, but I wouldn't be surprised if that found its way into a movie for sure because that was just such a '90s thing to do. You know, and that's what made oh, me, yeah. that's what made me laugh when I heard about, um, when I heard about Aladdin and they totally snuck in the Will Smith, I'm going to do a, a, a rap about the movie in the credits. I was like, Oh wow. What a great oh, throwback. They do? Yeah. Yeah. Oh wow. They do. Yeah. Yeah. He and, uh, DJ Khalid do, um, friend like me, but they do kind of like a rap version of it. And I'm like, no. <laughs> It's a friend like me. It's like like MIB. Right, right, right. That's exactly what it is. Yeah. Being, I'm sure. That's funny. Oh man. Any final thoughts on Interview with the Vampire? Dude? No, I. What I, I. This is an amazing case study. I still think, like, in terms of, if you just want to, if you just want to look at a movie that, like, on the surface, you know, like maybe it's not like your cup of tea, but you look at just like how it's assembled in terms of. Um, a story and then director producer crew members and then cast like how this is a perfectly put together movie to succeed at the time tom cruise's 90s i mean hit i don't know if anyone's had a more like this is a great argument to have like who who's had like a, a as dominant a decade and it's tough now because of the marvel movies because you could easily say robert downey jr you could i know you could but in terms of you like could but man his not, 90s like tom cruise in the 90s built on him I mean, with the exception yes. of Far and Away, is a stellar, like, decade. And I, even Eyes Wide Shut is not perfect. I, but love, I, I love Eyes Wide Shut. What a challenging so, role. I mean, yeah. with, I mean, again, like, his, his strength as an actor is what keeps a messy movie afloat and actually helps it rise. I mean, his bit in Magnolia is what I'm about most... i say it's too bad that's in 2000. Because if you could throw that in the 90s, Jesus. Which one? Magnolia. That's a ninety-nine. I thought that was two thousand. Because I think I no, because it's he got nominated that same year as Michael Clark and because it's oh, at Green Mile. Yeah, it's at. It's, oh, so it is. Oh, oh, I didn't know that was a ninety-nine. Well, Jesus, that's a hell of a decade, dude. It, I mean, that's that that ninety-nine. That ninety-nine supporting actor is so stacked, and even Haley Joel Osment like legitimately could have yep. won. 
Like, it yeah, was... I thought they were going to give it to him because, ah, give it to a kid. Exactly. Yeah, plus, it was a popularity contest. Right. Yeah, 99 was a hell of a year. Yeah, but, but man, like, I mean, you look at, like, everything he does up to, like, up to 96, and then from 96, he's like, okay, I nailed, like, I, I found critical acclaim with a movie that is very generally accessible, is probably the most, like, widespread Tom Cruise's love is achieved with both males and females. And then he manages to, you know, also he has his, he gets his franchise that year that's going to like carry him to this day. And then he completely pivots away from that. It's like, I'm going to go do some art house oh, yeah. type affair. And then by the time 2000 rolls around, it's like, all right, it's time to get back into the franchise. It's an incredible decade. And this is such an interesting. Like, yeah, because I love his it. 2000s run too. I mean, I, I mean, yeah, he's, he's had, he's had an amazing career. He's one of the few actors that has consistently put out quality movies. Um, like we go to the theater to see one of his movies, you know, you're like, you're probably going to get your money's worth. That's what I love about Tom Cruise. I always look at him as like one of the last true movie stars yeah. in that regard. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. that's so, yeah, with these last two mission movies coming up. Yeah. But I, I honestly, I would, you know, I would like to see him after these last two missions and hopefully a sequel to edge of tomorrow. I would like to see him kind of revert back to more dramatic roles. Uh, because I think he can really shine in those things. And that's what's kind of sad, man, is if you look at his IMDb, like, it's defined by, like, existing IP. Like, it's not, it's not yeah. even, it's not defined by, like, a lot of the, uh, a lot of the, just, you know, the ventures out into the, under the edge, like this was for him. And, and that's, and that's something that, like, I mean, you know, there's still time for that to, there's still time for that to, to change for him. I get it. But I know, I hear exactly what you're saying. Like, Because, like, something like Collateral was like, oh, yeah. Wow. What a great performance. Like, a great choice to do a Michael Mann movie mm -hmm. at, the, at that I point. Mean, his two uh, Spielberg movies in the 2000s, particularly Minority Report, um, he was fantastic. I loved when he decided to dip into sci-fi. Because it was like, yeah, you know what? I can do that, too. <laughs> and 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 he could and even movies like valkyrie didn't bomb the way we thought it would i like i like him and valkyrie he's great yeah lions for lambs is terrible and that's just that's a I bad never got around to that's it. just a bad movie that was completely set up to be an like a, an oscar steal and it just failed completely because the material just wasn't that good and you stacked it with three very impressive actors that just like couldn't lift i mean what in the end was really just a poor a poor script and a poor story but i mean like sure. that's the that's what the sad thing though is it's like after that didn't work and of course the couch jumping thing derailed like really did like damage his career to where like you know the the things that should have worked didn't necessarily hit the way they should in the no. aftermath of that and it's just a shame that like it became like well i'm just going to go do ethan hunt stuff which is great on the one hand right. but then it was like oh man like we're not going to well, get Tom Cruise. Like, a, movie, mm. a, a movie that came out right after, like Mammy 3, it's not a very good movie, but it should have been a, it would have been a huge yes. hit, I think, if, if that couch jumping thing was, was night and day. Right. I think that yeah. would have been there you go. huge. Yes. If, if he had just not done that. Because it's like, I remember sitting in the theater just thinking, this feels like a movie that would have made like $200 million 10 years ago. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Just, yeah, he's a great crowd-pleasing um, actor. And, yeah, the couch jumping incident and the fact that was roped into MI3, which was you know, unfortunate because that movie suffered because of that. Uh, and I, and I, I remember thinking the franchise was dead. Yeah, I was um, too. I thought the same thing. Like, when he walks off like, with her at the end, I'm like, 
we're done. We're done with Mission Impossible. I was like, that's sad and okay. And who knew? <laughs> oh, like the best ones haven't even come out yet. Exactly. Um, but yeah, it's like a, he's. But like even in the, like this past decade, you know, it was him like he has tried a couple of things. Like I mean, Edge of Tomorrow is one thing, but like Oblivion, like it was like ah, it was, that's different. I mean, it wasn't this decade, but like even Tropic Thunder. Yes. Um, yes. I think yeah. that that brought him back a little bit. In a way, yes, I think it did. Um, I don't think he capitalized on it because right. I, like for Tom Cruise to just go out and do an all-out comedy, um, I don't know if he's ever done that no. off the top of my head. But I totally think he can do it. His little comedic bits of Mission Impossible are stellar. Yeah. Um, he has great timing. You know what the most frustrating thing about him for me, though, is that I, I didn't mean to go, go off on a, on a tangent about Tom Cruise. The most frustrating for me about him yeah, you, have you ever realized he, he has never licensed himself for any video game appearance or even for an action figure? Yeah, that's a good point. He's yep. never done it. And and I, I remember he gave a reason for it once, but I remember it didn't make any sense. Because it just was like, like you realize like this could be a gold mine. Like, like an Ethan Hunt action figure? Like, are you kidding me? You know, like I can throw him off of my roof. <laughs> this is probably what I would do. I just, dun, 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 dun. <laughs> but um, no, I'm hoping these last two missions. I mean, I can't wait to see them. But I'm hoping that that that'll probably be it for him. Like, I'm sure the series could continue. But it's like I really do want to see Tom Cruise do other things. And and yeah, he is one of those guys. It's just, like he is a love him or hate him guy. And with the exception of that bullshit in Scientology that he deals with, uh, I've never really understood that because. I don't know if there's an actor alive who has the maybe except Tom Hanks might be one of them, but to have the quality of work that he has over the longevity of how long he's been doing this um, and to still have movies that you, you see and you go, well, that one's in the top 10. It's like, really? It's just like because if you were to like put together a top 10 of Tom Cruise, I'm, I'm sure it would be some of the best, like <laughs> some of the best movies probably the last 30 years. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, so, but anyway, um, let's wrap this up. Rating, Interview with the Vampire? I'm going to give it a seven. Okay, me too. I'm going to give it a seven. Um, I actually enjoyed it this time more than any of the other times, because right? I used to have it at a six. But I think I think it's been a long enough to where like I've gotten older and I can appreciate it more. Um, good movie, but yeah, it, it definitely has its quirky moments. But I do enjoy this, so we're in agreement there. Uh, uh, so that'll do it for this ep- this week or this episode of um, when did that come out with interview with the vampire uh, please come back and join us for December it's a very let's I think it's a more more forgotten movie but it's one that I'm quite fond of and so is will uh, we're gonna be looking at Cobb with Tommy Lee Jones where he played Ty Cobb the uh, legendary base and controversial baseball player um, in the meantime follow us on Twitter at real change pod and I am at CM underscore stabs. And I am at William Rinkin 83. And we will see you for the next episode of When Did That Come Out? December of 1994 with Cobb.